And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to a terrible night of NBA basketball here on the NBA Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. Here is my name, Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Mo DeKeel, as I always am on Friday mornings. We have Brian Smith producing the show. We're going to start in Memphis with the hottest team in the NBA. The Grizzlies beat the Timberwolves 116-108. to The typical star of the game is John Conchar. Dude, he had a massive tip dunk. Did you see that? Off, the, off the, the the putback, Morant misses a corner three. You got two Timberwolves boxing out Kyle Anderson. You have, uh, I think it's Vanderbilt trying to box out Jaron Jackson Jr. By the way, side note on that, Jaron Jackson Jr. actually got the inside position on that one as well. And, you know, and you had D'Angelo Russell just looking around and Conchar comes crashing in and gets a monster tip dunk and kind of gets it going. But it was almost the theme of the night, Jared, because the very next play, Nobody boxes out Carl Anthony Towns, kind of a big guy, hard to miss. He gets an offensive rebound and crashes the glass just between the two teams, Jared. And I don't know the last time I've seen this, 28 offensive rebounds. There were a 119 rebounds in this game, which is the highest number I've seen in a long time. I've never even thought about how many rebounds happened in the game, but that seems like an insane number. Should also tell you, not a lot of shot making in this game. <laughs> like that, The thing is... The team shot 45.7 and 42.7%. That's not that horrendous. I have attended and covered a lot of games with worse shooting than that this year. But then when you go look at the three-point shooting. Okay, that's pretty <laughs> helpful. 15 for 48 <laughs> for Minnesota. 8 for 32 for Memphis. Memphis got to the line 35 times. Jaron Jackson went 6 for 10. Desmond Bain went 9 for 9. Morant going 6 for 7 is not a huge surprise. Uh, Xavier Tillman went 0 for 4. That's a fun one. But they continue to be warriors in the fourth quarter. And I think that's what makes this team so much fun. It's the fourth quarter. is an absolute show of pandemonium every time they play. Yeah, I mean, you know, they come in and give them credit for a young team. They actually do a pretty good job of executing their stuff and making a lot of the right reads. Like the shot that ended up being a... a kind of the nail in the coffin for the uh, Wolves. You know, they double Moran off the pick and roll. He hits Brandon Clark in the short roll, and Clark swings it over to Conchar, and he drills the big three. Like, they do just such a good job of finding their shots, especially down the stretch. And and obviously, we're all pretty impressed. I mean, 11 straight wins for the Grizzlies. They're looking awesome. You know, they're fighting right now to be a, th- a three seed in the West against Utah. And, and I think it's... I'm kind of just excited for them. They're besides being just a fun team, they defend, they play their butts off. Like I, I really do enjoy watching this Memphis team. I mean, they're a game ahead of the Jazz in the three seed, which is it seems shocking because the Jazz have been so dominant throughout the year, and it seemed like they belonged in the upper echelon. It's just that Phoenix and Golden State were playing at such insanely high levels. But Utah's five and five in their last ten. Golden State five and five in their last ten. Even the Suns are six and four in their last ten. The Suns only had five losses entering their last ten games. Now they have nine. Memphis is on a hot enough streak where it seems like they're legitimately threatening for the top seed. They're only three games back of Phoenix now. 
Slow down now. Let's get a little bit, not get too carried. I'm saying it's plausible, you butthead. <laughs> Yo, I was going to curse. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to curse. So I said butthead instead. I'm trying to be a better man. This is what happens when none of the games are really that good. It then just turns into pandemonium on the Daily Ding. <laughs> I'm trying to be a better man in 2022, so I won't call you an asshole except for that's just there. That won't last. You pod with me. I'm going to break you before the end of the month, Jared. Uh, I love yelling at you on a Thursday night. Um, the Wolves are 20 and 22. I mean, they're a 500 ball club, and 500 ball clubs tend to be up and down constantly where are the wolves after this game where they were like good against one of the hottest teams in the league but they came up short yeah you know like i think they got a really strong first half from anthony edwards like you know he finishes with 30 points but only five in the second half right like memphis really focused to lock in he goes two for eight from the field in the second half and i think that's where things began to happen they started to pick at you know, D'Angelo Russell defensively and, and take advantage of that, even though he had a pretty good night offensively, 11 and 19 from the field. But it just kind of they knew they can get their shots off. And I think that's ultimately the defense kind of let this team down to a, a degree because, you know, they got good scoring nights from their big three. After that, basically nobody can come close, you know, to really making a big impact. You know, Vanderbilt with eight points, everybody else after that finishes with three or four points in this game. You know, they just needed more help from their bench and they couldn't get it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Out in Milwaukee, those Warriors played the Bucks, And well, played is a strong word. Those Warriors are on the same court as the Bucks. It was a close game for the first three minutes, and then it was an absolute monstrosity of a blowout by Milwaukee. The Fending Champs win 118-99 to in the end. That is one of the incredibly misleading scores of the year because they were up by 39 and during at the beginning of the second half. Uh, Giannis was pretty good at the beginning with eight points just right out the gate. Right out of the gate, Giannis came with, I'm attacking the paint. This is my favorite Giannis. Right. The Giannis, I'm going to get to the rim. There's not a damn thing anybody can do about it. I'm not going to settle for jumpers. I'm not going to be that guy tonight. I'm going to constantly attack and put pressure on the paint. Only took two threes tonight, three mid range shots. And for the most part, all of his damage was in the paint. The Warriors had no answer for him. And I'm going to be honest. There's not a team that really has an answer for him. And granted, no Draymond Green for the Warriors tonight. So obviously their defense took a massive hit, but he got Looney in foul trouble in the first minute, and it was all she wrote after that. What I loved is right at the beginning of the game, Andre Iguodala, or Iggy, as he likes to be called, according to my producer, uh, Brian Smith, he is getting squared up by Giannis, and Giannis just hits him with a double cross, and then a ridiculous, like, driving towards the baseline and somehow reaches out and does a finger roll. And Iguodala, I think he was looking at the ref, I don't know, but he just, like, freezes after it, has his hands up, and he's just staring there in shock. 
And it was a great foreshadowing for what was to come in that game because they were just, it looked like the Warriors were in shock at what Milwaukee was doing to them throughout the game. I mean, they just came and punched them in the mouth from the very beginning. And like I said, it started with Giannis kind of setting that tone. Bobby Portis had a big night, got going, and and everything was rolling there. And it wasn't just scoring. You know, Antetokounmpo with some real nice passes to Grayson Allen for a couple of threes early in this game. And then the Warriors could never get on track, Jared. You know, they start out cold. Clay starts out cold. Curry starts out cold. I think they were one for eight, I think, for their first couple of threes. And it just became a real issue for them. And again, Curry finishes four for 11, Clay three for 11. Like, you're not going to win on those nights, especially when you don't have Draymond anchoring the defense. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee shot 51.2%, the Warriors 34.7%. Uh, I, won't, I won't do the same BS that everyone's going to do with Steph, so I'll just ask you, what what does Steph need to do differently as far as the type of action that they're putting him in and obviously getting Draymond back would probably help as his partner in crime, but like, what do they? how do they need to use Steph differently in order to get him out of the funk that he's in? I don't think they need to use him differently. I think they need to not use him. Oh, interesting. I think they need to rest him for a while. I think honestly, like besides your Memphis Grizzlies that are chasing their Jared for the top <laughs> seed, what are they, you know, like, I, I think it's just a matter of like rest them. The idea for them is the long-term game here right now. And on a night like tonight, this is great. He only played 29 minutes. Like he, Kerr knew early on, like, yo, this is a butt whooping. I, don't, I wouldn't have had him come out at the second half. I'd have told him at halftime, go take a shower. I think they need to rest him. I think he's tired. Honestly, I think it's a little bit of fatigue coming down here. I think that's really more what's going on in the slump than anything else. I know this is a different team than last year. They don't need him to go nuclear every game, but they need him to be pretty good. And he hasn't been lately. And I think it's just he's a little bit fatigued. And let's get to the most expected result of the night, which is the Thunder winning 130 to 109 over the Brooklyn Nets. Never thought I'd see the day. Kevin Durant not playing in this game. That makes it a little bit more even. James Harden was. James Harden went 7 for 22 from the field, while Shea went 11 for 18 and was phenomenal early in this game. I want to start with this uh, quote that I think is uh, uh, Harden maybe being sarcastic or whatnot. But he said he didn't get to bed till 7.30 that morning. So Thursday morning, he went to bed at 7.30. Yeah, that's not sarcastic whatsoever. Yeah, he played like a guy that didn't get to bed till 7.30 that morning. Man was on that Classe Azul last night. What can we say? The Nets sit Durant to give him some rest. Obviously, no Kyrie. And they got a brutal night. Even though he put up 26 points, 7 to 22 from the field, 3 for 11 from 3 from Harden, you're just not going to win in that instance. And you said it, and I, I kind of buried the lead there a little bit just because I was more caught off by the uh, James Harden quote. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, pretty good. Jared, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you know this. He's a, he's a. I mean, one dime short of a triple double is pretty good. I, would I mean, say. I mean, I mean, pretty solid basketball player. Eleven to eighteen from the field, he was great. But the big thing was the Nets were making a little bit of a run, beginning of the fourth quarter, and Shea wasn't on the court yet. But two big buckets from the rookie Josh Giddy, I thought, really sort of put an end to any any thought that the Nets had that they could maybe make a run at this game. You know, he makes a a layup over Blake Griffin, who switches onto him on the pick and roll. And then I don't remember who was driving and kicks it out, but then he knocks down a uh, a uh, kick out three, and you know just on a little small Josh Giddy five zero run sort of began to seal the the fate for the Nets, and you know pretty impressive with how he's played as well. Like this team's gonna play hard. I'm very critical of them in their tanking. Everybody, you know, if they don't know, you know now, but they play hard, and I and I do appreciate that. 
All right, we'll finish with stat of the night, which was a thing we used to do on the show years ago that I completely forgot about until just now. The Nets hit seven threes. The Thunder hit 20 threes. But the biggest one is the Nets had 16 dimes. Thunder had double that. And this is a team with James Harden. But Josh Giddy with seven. Shea with nine. Lou Dort even had two. He had 27 points and nine for 17 shooting. Another great game for him. Ty Jerome at the, off the bench six times. I mean, this was a beautiful offensive performance. And you have one thing to say before we go. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that Harden with nine assists and the Nets finish with 16 because with no KD, no Kyrie out there, who else is holding the ball? De'Ron Sharp. And that's going to do it for the Daily Ding. I'm Jared Weiss. He's Mo DeKeel. That's Brian Smith making us sound normal. Do not forget to subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash ding. Make sure you're subscribed to The Athletic NBA Show if you aren't already on Spotify, Apple Music. It's not Apple Music. It's Apple Podcasts. Nobody knows where to find it, but you'll find it anyway. Take us out of here, Mo. Ding, ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.